bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Go. And a good Thursday morning, football fans, you bird watchers. You've got Mac and Mac. That'd be him, John McMullen, and me, Jody McDonald, here with you for the next two hours, or at least I will be. Johnny Mac's got duties. He's got to get over to South uh, Philly and watch the Eagles on a practice day. Johnny Mac, back to back practice day. Is this the first time they've gone back to back full practice days? Yep, uh, first time. So we'll see it today and tomorrow. Today's the first round. I assume they'll go harder today uh, because they also have a mm. on Lincoln Financial Field practice on on Sunday night. So my assumption is they'll back off uh, a little bit on Friday and obviously have the off uh, off day Saturday. So then you have Lincoln Financial Field. So. My guess is the pads will be on. It'll be a green practice, but we'll see. You know, we'll see how it shakes out. Green practice. Ooh, that's huge. Uh, we shall see if it's huge or not. But the Eagles are winding their way to get ready for the season opener, which is still a bit away. We've got a handful of preseason games and, of course, the all-important joint practices. Uh, we'll, we'll probably talk about that plenty next week. Uh, but today's practice, as you say, should be pad, should go green. That means close to 90 minutes um, with new coaches on the staff and changes in personnel. This is a very similar to the team that won that went to the Super Bowl and came up just short against Kansas City Chiefs uh, last year. Do you think that if uh, he was being honest with you under the code of honesty, do you think Nick Sirianni would say at this stage, and it's certainly if the answer is no, you're going to catch up pretty quickly, but do you think he's achieved what he's wanted to in the first uh, 10 days of practice yet? Uh, just one real quick. Green means high intensity, so it's not the timing. It could be 55, it could be 90. Like day one was green as well, but it was whatever, 55 minutes, so – who judges wanted, high intensity? Yeah, high intensity. Um, so I, I, I try I, again. Uh, I just, who just judges high oh, intensity? The head coach. Uh, okay. The head coach. Um, but that's how he sets it up. So anyway, that's. I just wanted to make that clarification. Um, is he happy? Uh, I, I don't know. It's been kind of sloppy. You know, we talked about that. Uh, 
you know, was he trying to fight complacency by being a a little bit more vocal? He claimed he wasn't. That's just him. Um, I think he's happy with the first team uh, offense. I think he's very happy. I think he's happy with his first team defensive front. I think he's very happy with that. Um, And that kind of fills in from there. But as a coach, you're probably always a little bit unhappy or you try to be because you always want everything. Right. And there are always areas to improve, but you know, it's evident this this team's gonna out talent people. I've been talking about it for a while. They're just gonna they're just gonna out talent people. And you know, the offense and the defensive front is gonna be able to make up for mistakes in other areas. And that's that's a nice luxury to have. So uh, they're a good football team. I, I don't think the floor is too low, barring Massive injuries. I mean, you, you always got to throw that caveat in there. Mm-hmm. You have a boatload of key injuries. That changes everything. But if if they're relatively healthy, this team's going to be pretty, pretty good. And to that uh, end, Eagles have not had injuries here in camp. And I know it's just the first couple of days, and uh, you don't want to overreact to anything one way or the other. But they got nobody hurt. Uh, the, those guys who seem to be being held at practice or limited to practice, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but it seems to be more precautionary than, wow, they're actually hurt. They're going to be out for a while. They're going to miss a chunk of time, a significant amount of practice. The Eagles, to their credit again, because they have a specific plan in place where they believe less is more if you get the results from the trainer that you want. Uh, to this point, it's absolutely worked because they haven't had any significant injuries at all to start this season. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 they're very cognizant of, of uh, and probably got emboldened by Joe Burrow, uh, and and they've even ramped it up this year. It's sort of practice, rest, practice, rest, and and this will be the first time, as we we say, from back to back practices, and even that. I don't think they're going two green practices back to back. I think they'll they'll scale back one of those two uh, and try to manage. And who knows? We might see the first maintenance days because it's back to back on that day too with all the veteran players. You remember how many of those there were last year? We haven't seen them because they're kind of built in uh, this summer. We have practice and walk through practice off day practice walk through so they've kind of built it in um but now uh they have back to practice back to back practices thursday and friday here they have uh one grouping next week as well uh so we'll see if the maintenance days show up uh, uh that could be a process and you know the significant injuries i always say those are the luck injuries the acls the the, the achilles you saw an achilles with Patrick in Denver. I don't know how you prevent that kind of stuff, but you know, the calf muscles like Joe Burrow, that's why I bring up the, 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 the hamstrings, those strains. I think those are things the Eagles think they can manage. And, and so far so good. It seems like they're at least ahead of the curve uh, when it comes to that kind of stuff. Since uh, you referenced it, uh, see if I can pin you down a little bit here. Maintenance days. 
uh, load management, call it what you want. Uh, veteran guys not having to practice on either a full practice, green, yellow, indigo, indigo or violet, whatever the coach judge, it's going to be ahead of time um, and or walkthroughs. We know the core four are going to get those. That would be the uh, old guys, according to Jason Kelsey himself, Lane Johnson, uh, Brandon Graham, and Fletcher Cox. Who else is going to qualify for maintenance days this year? Well, you know, they've always been uh, very cognizant of Josh Sweat's history. Um, they've always been very careful with him. That's why he's in that group, because going way back to his high school injury, which, you know, could have been catastrophic. It was very significant. Um, they've always been very careful with him. Um, I'm trying to think other players. They, you know, they, Hassan Reddick because of his status, you know, Slay because of his age, Bradbury, they, they might get in the mix, um, which is kind of a combination of sort of aging and status as well. Status can be part of it. Um, to be honest, um, you know, they have to talk. I always say they have to talk Brandon in the taking days off, but he seems more receptive to it uh, ever since his Achilles injury. So that's typically the group of the younger guys. The one that stands out is, is Josh, and that's because of his uh, prior history. And they've always been very careful with him. If you go every step of the way with his career, They've always been very careful with him. All right. So you got three factors. Number one is actual age. Number two is injury history. And number three is status that uh, if you're a superstar player, that you might be accorded a little bit more uh, break and, and get some downtime. Where's AJ Brown fall onto that scale? Um, AJ might be in the status scale, but he's young enough to where he might, he's not a, type of guy is similar that likes to take days off so you know he might say look I'm what what is AJ 25 you know I uh, I'm fine you know he might Demonte as well you know they're they're still so young which is kind of frightening for the rest of the league because (laughs) they're already uh so uh you know proven to the point where in AJ's case he's top five receiver in the league. Um, they might lean on status, but he's the type of guy who would say, look, you know, he's very cognizant. Obviously you can look at him and say, you know, okay, this guy's into physical fitness. He's not, he's not begging off doing stuff. Um, so he hasn't been in that category, but I could see him graduating into the status category. No question about it. You probably have to talk, talk him into taking the day off though. So uh, some guys, uh, it's a foregone conclusion. Like I said, the core four, the guys who are well into their 30s and been here for a decade apiece. Are the others asked if they'd like a maintenance day? Are they suggested they're getting a maintenance day? Are they told they're getting a maintenance day? If you do know, as best you do, um, how, how is that uh, decided upon? Well, most are told and most gladly accepted, and uh, say, but there are a few, and Brandon would be the best example. Like Brandon, until he, he never took a day off, never, never took a day off. Like when everybody else had the maintenance day, you can go back and look at the old injury report. He he practiced he, because he said, "No, I'm not taking a day off." Um, so you know, 
status works two ways. You mm-hmm. kind of you can run the ship a little bit and say no, thanks, but no. But yeah, most of them are just told, and most of them say, "All right, I'll sit here in the baseball cap." Uh, you know, especially when it's ninety-five, it's been pretty nice. Yeah, it's, it's going to be say, pretty nice Jay, today. Last Friday was the only killer day <clears throat> yeah. so far, right? Yeah. Uh, so you know, but yeah, most are just like, "All right, I'll take a, I'll watch, I'll take and, it in." And today is not supposed to be in the high nineties either. So we'll see uh, if all are present and accounted for. All right, John, we're getting to that point in camp. And it's still early, but sometimes jobs are won early. And a guy gets a hold of a job and never gives it up. Uh, Coming into this year, Eagles had some positions where we knew there were going to be battles. Some for starters, some for backup position, but there were battles that wasn't line drawn. Here's the guys at this position. Here's the order they're going to play, and here's the order they're going to sub in if there's injuries and the like. And others have kind of been up for grabs. So I want to get your early take on a couple of positions that I think we can legitimately call battles. The first one is the one we probably talked about more than anything else than uh, as far as battles go. And that's right guard. Uh, You've been at every single practice that they have allowed you in. We know that uh, as far as judging first team reps, there really hasn't been a battle. Cam Jurgens has gotten all of them. Steam has gotten no better than the second team reps. Um, The coach, has been kind of outspoken that the battle continues. It rages on when evidenced by what's happened on the field, that really hasn't been the case. So I guess the way I'll ask you the question is, what would it take for Cam Jurgens to lose the battle at right guard? Yeah, I I don't know. That's been a strange one. I've said it pretty much to me. I've said it in the past. He's taken every first team rep, yet he's the one guy Nick says, well, well, it's still a competition. Well, let's start the competition then. Let's, you know, and maybe it'll come when, uh, whenever Jason Kelsey, if and when he gets a maintenance day, I assume he'll get one uh, in probably uh, on Friday would be my guess. Um, And we'll see if Cam moves to center and Tyler Steen takes over at right guard. Maybe that's where it starts. Um, It's still early. And, and, you know, if it does start there, you still have the joint practices um, coming up with Cleveland and Indianapolis, which are probably going to be the most important days. Not probably, definitely. So um, maybe they're just starting it late. Uh, but until somebody gets a first team rep other than Cam Jurgens, I find it hard to believe that Cam Jurgens isn't going to be the right guard. I mean, he's played well. He hasn't, there hasn't been any noticeable uh, mistakes. Um, he hasn't been overwhelmed. First team offense has been humming um, and he's part of it. So he looks like the right guard to me. So Steen has been the backup as of right now, and you're right. When when or if uh, Jurgens is mo- asked to move back over to center, we'll learn a little bit more. Has anyone gotten, quote-unquote, third-team reps at right guard? If so, who? Yeah, I mean, third team has been uh, Tyrese Robinson mainly at, at right guard. Um, um, you know, Jack Driscoll would be in that position in theory, but remember he's the second team. And he, it's interesting what they've done with Jack Driscoll and Dennis Kelly. The first, they had Dennis Kelly at left tackle. The last two practices, they've had Jack Driscoll 
at left tackle and um, Dennis Kelly at right tackle with the second team. So he's busy focusing on that. Um, but Jack, obviously, they know can play the position, so they're not as concerned um, with, with it, it, if they need to pull the ripcord, so to speak. They're not as concerned with him. Um, so he would be the third guard, but he's not taking reps there because he's busy taking reps at both tackle positions. So for now, it's been Tyrese Robinson, who's one of the young guys. And he's actually played. He's got some experience in the NFL, but um, not really a threat to to make the 53 uh, practice squad potentially. Right. And he was around last year on the practice squad. When we get a little closer, get a, a preseason game or two under our belts, we'll start to uh, try and figure who are going to be those practice squad candidates if they're not going to be the 53. And I think a because that position is a question mark. And Jurgens may go there and you won't miss a beat from when Isaac Samalo, Isaac Samalo was the right guy. But we got to see it first. I think there's a very good bet that they're going to have some depth on the offensive line on the practice squad. But we'll get that. We got time to get to that. All right. Uh, the uh, quote-unquote other linebacker position, if uh, we all believe that uh, the Kobe Dean is going to be the uh, strong side linebacker, the, the dot wearer on his helmet, um, the other linebacker position seemed to kind of be up for grabs. Nicholas Marr was brought in as a free agent, put up a lot of tackles last year on a bad Bears defense, does have NFL experience, but has uh, not wowed anybody in his NFL career and in our pro football focus rankings, which we relate to every once in a while, hadn't been really highly rated off the work he's done in Chicago. Not really wowed anybody in practice in the first couple of days here in Philadelphia either. And uh, Christian Ellis has, going back to the OTAs and the first couple of days of practice here, that's a battle, John. I think that's to be determined the question is, will the Eagles have nerve enough to put two guys out there as their starting linebackers? And we're, we're, we're not going to go to the, the big safety look just yet, just talking about the two linebackers. Christian Ellis has 20-some-odd snaps under his belt. N'Kobe Dean has 30-some-odd snaps under his belt for their entire NFL careers. They got nerve enough to go that young at linebacker to start the year? Yeah, it's a good question. Um it doesn't, you know, feel comfortable on paper. Um, and Nicholas, Nick Morrow is the one guy who's got pretty extensive NFL experience. Um, now, Christian Ellis, it's interesting because he got the most first team reps. Uh, um, what day are we? Tuesday. Um, um, and, but they also unveiled, as you mentioned a little bit there, the big nickel with three safeties on the field. So um, they got a lot of avenues they can go. A lot of people would argue none of them are good. <laughs> but, I mean, Christian Ellis has earned, I, I think, the look, I, I should say. And I think if he plays well in those joint practices, he's probably going to win the job. Um, but that's a long way to go. I think they kind of know what they have in Nick Morrow. You know, he's going to be smart. He's going to know what to do, but maybe he doesn't have the physical gifts to, to stand out. So maybe they're using that to, to take a, a longer look at, at Christian Ellis and see if he can, he can handle the workload, so to speak. Uh, that's, that would be my guess. I wouldn't say 
because he took over pretty much and 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 earlier in the week Christian Ellis on the first team I I wouldn't say that's an indication he's won the job or even winning the job I think it's one of those things where he's played to the point where they the coaching staff has said all right let's see if he can let's see if he can handle it against the first team and it wasn't great against the first team. He's been great against the second team and, and the third team, but it wasn't great against the first team. So, which is makes sense, right? I mean, those are Eagles got a good offense. Um, you know, it's a little bit more difficult to, you know, if you talk about the pass coverage aspect of it, it's a little bit more difficult to, to, to cover Dallas Goddard than the other tight ends. So, um, it, that that one is still, I think, a legitimate competition. Um, and I think they want to see if Christian Ellis is, is for real, so to speak, and if not, then they'll default back to a player they know, probably not a high ceiling, but they know he's not going to embarrass himself out there, Nick Morrow. All right. Uh, one other one I want to get in uh, before I ask you about what you think Coach Sirianni is going to say today because he speaks for, before practice and you got to run down there uh, in the next 10 minutes. Wide receiver five. All right. We know who the first two wide receivers are pretty damn good. Uh, the elite Quez Watkins is number three. He's <laughs> had a nice camp so far. And if uh, someone thought the Lamadez of Cash was just going to come in here and step right over him, Probably not happening, but Zacchaeus will uh, fill that backup slot role. They've got a bunch of guys on the roster who are wide receivers, including one guy who is part of the return teams. If you had to rank who's looked best out of all the wide receivers not named uh, Zacchaeus, Watson, Smith, or Brown, who would you put at the top of the list? Well, uh, Britton Covey's got that job. Britton Covey's a lock to make this football team. Um, if somebody's going to beat out somebody, they're going to win that four spot and sort of over. Uh, oh, you got to jump over Covey. Covey's going to be here, period, end of sentence, uh, because he is the pump returner and he's improved uh, as a receiver. Although I don't think you're ever going to see him be relevant as a receiver. Uh, but I, I will say Abonte Maddox raved about him. He does look quicker. He does look more competent. He's really getting separation against the backup uh, nickel corners. So he has improved in that aspect, but he's going to make the team. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. Um, so right, well, it, then, then, then if he's a lock wide receiver six, and you think there's a chance they're going to keep six wide receivers, yeah. could uh, Lamade uh, Zacchaeus not make the team? Yeah, that that's the more likely. Like, if you're Deion Kane or you're some of the undrafted guys, Joseph Nod has been the impress most impressive. You got to beat out Alamade Alamade Zacchaeus for that fourth wide receiver slot, and I think it's possible. I mean, Alamade um, has been fine; he hasn't been bad or anything, but a couple things with Alamade. He, he's limited a little bit from a size perspective, he's not going to play outside a lot. So he's limited as a slot kind of only guy and he's not, uh, he can return, but there's no way he's beating out cubby for that punt returning job. So there's no evidence of that. Um, so he's a little bit more limited than guys that can play 
both inside and outside. So, I mean, Deion Kane clearly, but he was hurt. He, he He's the one guy who got a little bit of an ankle, had to leave practice on Tuesday, uh, excuse me, uh, Sunday, uh, and didn't practice on Tuesday. Um, but he's clearly the most uh, um, ready to go of the bottom end receivers, as I would call them. But that's where the 16-man practice squad, like a lot of those guys, they're going to keep two or three of those guys on the practice squad. And I don't think there's going to be any concern whether it's um, Deion Kane or, or Joseph Nada or Jaden Hazelwood. You're going to get those guys through waivers, and you're going to be – so that's where you can manipulate the roster, how he's a little bit good at it. But, yeah, I'm, I'm very confident Britton Covey's going to be the fifth receiver – on this team fair enough all right uh every single day when you go over you got a full practice you get to hear from a member of the coaching staff uh before practice actually gets underway uh through all the uh, the defense coordinator the offense coordinator and the head coach circling back to the head coach today first question i asked was do you think uh nick sirianni is happy with what they've accomplished so far and x amount of practice they have I'm sure somebody will ask him that question today. What, if anything else, do you expect Sirianni to give you some enlightenment on? That's a good question. Well, he can't say the pads aren't on. So, you know, that that answer's over. He can't go down that route. I guess he can still say it's an early sort of route. Um, I plan on asking him about Cam again. Uh, you know, if it is a competition, when is the competition going to start? Um, that's if, if somebody gets to it before me, I'll go in a different direction. But uh, uh, that's one of the more interesting questions. Um, and then, you know, Nick's good when you get him talking about sort of Bill Belichick in in that aspect. He's going to he's going to defer to. When you ask him who's playing well, he's going to defer to the it's early, the pads aren't on, that kind of stuff. He's not going to he's not going to throw guys under the bus. But if you ask him specific football questions, he'll go into sort of a dissertation. So that's what I try to do with him. Uh, Kenny Gainwell made an interesting point about running back pass protection. We were talking about that a lot, um, and he said they have a motto in 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 the running back room that just listen to the damn center, which was kind of interesting. Um, that's how much respect they have for Jason Kelsey calling out protections and doing all that kind of stuff. So if you ask Nick against uh, about that, you'll get like a 10 minute answer. Uh, if you ask him, Hey, how's Quez Watkins doing? You're going to get the, well, it's early. He's playing well, blah, blah, blah type of thing. Understood. And uh, glad to see I saw your uh, post on on the running backs. Uh, they maybe need to listen to Kelsey a little bit better because I, I told you yesterday, uh, I think it was BLG had a rundown, watch that specific drill and said, e Eagles running back, not great. You and, know, uh, we, we talked about that. I did look it up because nobody talks about running back pass protection. Swift actually graded really well in Detroit as a pass protector. So but yeah, that's something I haven't. I'll defer to BLG there because I didn't get a good look at that uh, uh, drill that he was watching. Um, but yeah, the other guys that have been here have not been have not been great at it. So uh, maybe DeAndre 
because um, I think it was fourth PFF as as a pass protector. That's pretty good. Yeah, so, that's very good. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that that will uh, potentially uh, boost his usage this year. Yeah, probably not. They'll base it on <laughs> this is a forward-thinking offense that's uh, thinking about putting up uh, 35, 42 points. They're not going to go into uh, protective mode as often as uh, maybe some other teams. All right, last question for you before we let you run. I think it was back at the owners' meetings, and maybe even done it for maybe it was the second time, maybe double dipped. That uh, kind of out of nowhere, unprovoked, unquestioned, Nick Sirianni decided to sing the praises of one Trey Sermon, and then uh, during the OTAs, he went to bat specifically for Quez Watkins with the whole. He, he, he hears you guys say he stinks. Well, I'm telling you, he doesn't stay. He's killing it this practice. By the way, I don't know anybody who covers the team that said Quez stinks. That's not how we talk. That's how Gannon got in trouble when he said, we're calling for his uh, firing when he was 8-0, where he was never, they were never, when, when they lose their first game, whatever he said. But he got that wrong. He got the record wrong. Certainly nobody asked him about getting fired. I mean, you conflating the fan base with the reporters right. and, never and ends well. Nick might have covered himself. I think he just left it as you guys. And that could have meant the individuals who are there asking him questions like yourself on the beat. It could have meant the Eagle fans. He didn't specifically say media members. He should have said fans if he meant fans. But he just went kind of open-ended there in his uh, major defense of Quez. Will there be a surprise guy today that either unprovoked or maybe it comes off a question and you're a little surprised by the over-the-top praise thereof? Will there be an Eagle player that Nick Sirianni will uh, take the back of to an extent that is somewhat unexpected? Uh, we might get a defensive guy to try to bolster that side of the ball. We might get a Makai Gardner for being physical. Who knows? That can go either way. You could say, you know, why are you trying to hurt the guys in practice? Or you can say, ooh, he's showing up. That can go either way. Maybe a Jordan Davis because he's been so – maybe a Kayvon Wallace. You're going to get a Kayvon Wallace question because that came out of freaking nowhere. Kayvon Wallace all of a sudden is relevant at safety. And I don't think many of us saw that coming. Um, so he's opened some eyes, uh, whether Sean decides. So maybe, maybe I'll pick Kayvon Wallace, uh, because, um, yeah, that, uh, that was a surprise. All right. And uh, I lied. I got one more question for you. What fellow beat guy is going to make John McMullen, uh, certainly frown, if not groan with a Kelly Green question? Uh, Kay Adams, she's going to be down there. That is a TV question. Um, so yeah, Kay Adams but, is going to be there. Yeah, Kay's going to be there. So yeah. you might want to go down, Jody. Yeah, so Kay's I got to stay here. That's not yeah. good for me. TV, TV, that's a TV question. So, but Kay and will I, make it. Kay, Kay, I won't frown. So I got to turn that back because. Yeah. Case K. Yeah, yeah, uh, so I if won't. You frown at her, somebody's going to question you. Yeah. So maybe I'll just go with one of the other TV guys. Mm. So pick your Johnny Clark. Your yeah, yeah, Johnny. Sunshine. Yeah, John, he loves, John's a good friend. He loves uh, the Kelly Green, I'm sure. Um, quickie on Kay Adams. I, I've never met her. I've seen her on TV thousands of times, uh, but never. Is she tall? No. Or is she, she wears no. big heels. 
Yeah, she's, she's got to go with the four inch spikes. Uh, I don't know. I'll I'll report. You're going to want to be report. part of Birds 365 yeah. tomorrow when McMullen's back to give us K. Adams footwear yeah. update. You're going to see need, a bunch I of I need these. that information. Now, I have to have that, McMullen. Now you're going to, now I'm too old, but you're, and I'm married, but you, you're going to see a bunch of these I'm morons. I'm older and more married, but who yeah. the hell cares? K. Adams you're, footwear you're, is important. You're, you're going to see a bunch of these morons upgrade their their wardrobe today. Guarantee. Oh, you it. think so? Guarantee it. Yeah, guarantee. They know that uh, Miss Adams in the house. All right, good on them. All right, JM, uh, safe travels over to the Novacare Complex. All right, thank you, Jody, and thanks, Mark. I see you in the green room. Farzetta filling in for uh, Johnny Mac again today. So McMahon will be back tomorrow. We'll do the full bore Mac and Mac Birds three. 365, but instead you get Mac and Mark. Mark Farzetta jumping in, joining me next here on Birds 365. Stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV. Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement. But would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, did you know I was the Mommy Slam Dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, I go to left. Fake them out. Mama, go up, up, up. She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. United Healthcare. Uh-huh. E-A-G-L-E-X. Eagles. 
That is what we talk about here on Bird Street 65 E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles. And uh, it's usually the Mac and Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald. J-Mac's got to get over. Uh, Eagles full practice today. Don't know if it's going to be green yet. That's high intensity that the coach has to decide. Uh, but they are going full practice, and the coach is going to speak before the game, and uh, we'll certainly get that breakdown from Johnny Mac uh, Manana. What I'm going to get for the next hour and a half is the insights of one Mark Farzetta was up later than he thought he was going to be last night. Uh, and you think that Philly game was going to end about done and all quarter to 10 and just kept going and going yeah, and going yeah. and going. Yeah, when it was 5 nothing, you figure, eh, it's, you know, this game's over already, you know? And then, and then it wasn't. Then it was 12 innings of madness. And Trey Turner doesn't need to be sat. He doesn't need a day off. He needs to be benched. I want to be very clear on that. But that's where I'm at right now there, Jody. Okay, well, a day off would be benching, and a benching is a day oh, off. Oh, no, 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 that's a day off. That, that's just a day off. A benching is, we'll see you sometime. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? They've no, given I him days I off. I don't know what you're saying. Are you suggesting that the manager has to come out either before or after the game and say, I bench Trey Turner? Uh, I don't need that quote. I just need him to not play. I just need him to not play for the foreseeable future. You know what he could do for this team right now? He could be a really good pinch runner. When they need a pinch runner... Yeah, that's the glass they could break and reach behind that to get Trey Turner. That's how sad this is. I don't even know if I trust him pinch running right now. <laughs> uh, he's in a stone cold funk, and uh, mm. it's up to the Phillies to try and figure the hell how yeah. to get him back to respectability. I, I don't need superstar like he's being paid. All I'm asking for is respectability. Don't yeah. hurt the team, which he's doing right now. But yeah, he di- digress because uh, yes, uh, exchanging text with Farzi is there. Blowing a five-run lead, a two-run lead, a one-run lead last night, and end up losing that stupid game. But uh, on a on a on a happier note, I did have dinner once with Kay Adams. Really, where? <laughs> um, the Continental in Old City. Uh, this was a couple of years ago. The Eagles had a uh, a fantasy draft party, um, and actually, with my first pick, I selected. Um, Kay Adams. No, I think I ended up taking uh, Aaron Aaron Rodgers. But uh, no, we. Um, sh- uh, her producer is a friend of mine. Her, me, the producer, and uh, somebody else. We ended up uh, going out to dinner uh, in Old City. She's awesome. Kay Adams was is just as cool as you would think. With, was this when she was still with the NFL Network? Yes. Uh, no, she was with NBC Sports. That was even before Good Morning Football on the NFL Network. Oh, really? Yeah. What did, yeah. what did you do for NBC before she went to the, the first I know of Kay Adams is uh, the NFL Network. Yeah, she did my eyes, so to speak. Fantasy expert. She was a fantasy football expert. Oh, yeah, I remember she was on Sirius XM's. Yeah. I had around once I was, I was hosting a show on the Fantasy Channel. They said, we're going to give you Kay Adams. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> is she good? You sure she's good? And, and a radio interview doesn't necessarily tell an entire tale. So I had no idea. So I actually talked to Kay Adams before I knew Kay Adams was a smoke show. Uh, anyway, <laughs> and, uh, and for the record, it was a business dinner. We did. It wasn't. You know, very nice. Yeah. So I'll ask you the same question. I like I said, never met her. Um, how tall? Maybe five four. Five. Yeah, she's not tall at all. Five four, five three, maybe. Yeah, okay. she's not exactly a. Uh, she's she's not exactly playing center. You know what I'm saying? She uh, dons the high heels. (laughs) The highest of the high heels, yes. Very nice, yes. Uh, I'm I'm kind of bummed. I'm always happy to be working with you, Farzi, but truth be told, I'd rather be down at Eagle practice checking out Kay Adams' (laughs) high heels. That's just me. 
Um, I I want to do the same thing with you. I was doing with uh, Jay Mack before he had to run over to cover the Eagle practice and talk about a couple of the positional battles the Eagles are having. Uh, right guard being the top among them. Certainly, it looked that way coming in because you lose Isaac Sayamalo, and you don't bring in any veteran free agents to fill that void. You have guys who are already here, and you drafted a potential replacement in the third round, so everyone believed it was going to be uh, beef jerky against uh, Steen for the right guard position. It really hasn't been a competition to this point, even though the coach continues to tell us that it's a competition. If you're just judging by who's getting reps with the other players that we assume, as in we know, are going to be the other four starters on the offensive line, it's all been Cam Jurgens. What do you think's the method and the madness? If if I'm portraying it well, and I think I'm being fair in doing so, why isn't the coach at least saying, yeah, there's a one and there's a one A. It's not uh, a dead even race just yet that uh, it was Jurgen's job to lose when camp opened up. And he had, certainly hadn't done that yet. Why do you think Sirianni is hedging here? Uh I, I don't – I honestly – I look at Nick Sirianni. I find him to be a very honest, very genuine guy when he's addressing the media. Uh, yes, of course, he gives you the coach speak. Yes, he believes in gamesmanship. But what really matters is what he's putting out there on the field. And Cam Jurgens has been the number one guy throughout the entire time. They have they've even had a, a mention or a suggestion, a hint of a competition. Cam Jurgens is going to be a offensive lineman on the Philadelphia Eagles, whether it be guard or center, for a very long time. My th- my thought on the method to the madness is that they just want to get him in there and throwing bodies around as soon as humanly possible. They don't want him to sit out a year. They don't want him to sit on the sideline and, and learn by watching. They want to. They want him to get his uh, his feet wet uh, as soon as humanly possible. When you have a guy like Jason Kelsey as your center, a guy who doesn't miss time, a guy who doesn't miss games, certainly. He's not going to have a lot of opportunities to do that at the center position. So they want to make sure at the start of OTAs, they had him there at uh, the start of training camp. Now they have him there at the right guard spot. So they want him to get as much experience as possible at that position and then make sure he can have success at that position. As, as we said, I think it was on Tuesday, you have Jason Kelsey to your left. You have Lane Johnson to your right. There's a nice learning curve in there, uh, there in the middle for a guy like Cam Jurgens, who has played interior offensive lineman for the vast majority of his college and, of course, now what's going to be professional career. A guy like Tyler Steen is not going to break that unless he goes into the preseason and then really starts pancaking people in the preseason. It's the only way he's going to get any legitimate recognition as a guy that might be able to play the right guard spot. But I think most people are still confused as to why the Eagles drafted a tackle who's played right and left tackle at the uh, the college levels there uh, and drafted him and announced him as a guard. So he's a depth piece at this point. He's a, uh, a Jack Driscoll. Uh, he's he's in those ranks right now trying to break into the starting rotation of that offensive, well, not rotation, but the starting uh, lineman for the Philadelphia Eagles. So as of right now, it's not going to be until the preseason until we really see what he could do at that spot. And, of course, we're eager to see what Cam Jurgens does at the right guard spot because we've really seen him only as a center. So let me uh, see if uh, you'll you'll follow suit with me. See if you're nervy enough, maybe foolish enough, maybe stupid enough to answer this question. Um, Jason Kelsey going to be starting center at Philadelphia Eagles next year? Uh, I think he is. Um, as of right now, I think he's – look, he, bottom line is he's still playing at a high level, all right? 
But this move, Cam Jurgens only being one year, let's put it this way. If Cam, if it was going to be one year, the way you try to break this down, and I like it because, yes, I am stupid enough, but when you're really trying to search for answers about what this could mean outside of, oh, they just want the best possible player at right guard, and right now that's Cam Jurgens. But when you try to search for what this can mean for other things, they're not going to, if Cam Jurgens, if it was just one year, if Jason Kelsey did let Howie Roseman know and Nick Sirianni and uh, Jeff Stalin, hey guys, I'm like, 70, 30, 70 that I'm going to retire, 30 that I'm going to come back next year. If they said that and they thought it was likely that he was going to retire, that this was going to be his last season, I think they put Tyler Steen in there at right guard and say, hey, look, you're at right guard for the next 10 years. Cam Jurgens, you still wait in the wings. You'll get opportunities to play throughout the season at different points. But as of right now, just learn everything you can about the center position. That's the only thing. That's the only thing that makes me believe Cam Jurgens being the number one guy from start. It's not Tyler Steen in there. And then his job to lose, it's Cam Jurgens' job to lose. And I don't think it's just seniority that goes into that decision. So as of right now, I'm going to say that this is not Jason Kelsey's last year with the Philadelphia Eagles or in football because I don't see him playing anywhere else. Um, I say that he plays again next year as well. That's where I'm leaning at this point. And, yes, I am dumb enough. Yes, I am stupid enough. Yes, I am uh, reaching enough to say that this Cam Jurgens' decision has to do with that. The reason why I asked the question the way I did – uh, nervy, foolish, stupid. Foolish, thank is you. Is yeah. because I've been stupid enough for like four straight years ago. Uh, I think this is Kelsey's last year. I just see the guy. The guy looks like he's ready to go. I know he loves football, but he loves his kids. He loves his wife. Oh. I've been wrong like four straight years running. So <laughs> I just wanted to see if I had company in my stupidity. And uh, no, probably not. As far as that, it's going to be right. He'll be back on playing again next year. So a uh, while away in my stupidity. All right, uh, running back position. Yes. They're using guys out of the backfield early in camp, working on more plays to get the ball to running backs, be it either on screen passes or, quote-unquote, dump-off passes or lining up closer to the line of scrimmage. But they've done, at least according to the beat guys, a little bit of an inordinate amount as to what they had done previously, and the coach was specifically asked about it. And it looks like you're working on it. We, we expect to see more of this. His response was, well, we didn't do it a lot because, well, if you don't have those type of weapons, you don't call those type of plays that they just didn't feel comfortable throwing the ball to Miles Sanders. It was on the field a lot last year as the number one back. Kind of makes sense. Uh, Sirianni got a little simplistic on us, and you had to shake your head. Okay, I see where you're coming from, Coach. Uh, but it seems like they have more – Faith in DeAndre Swift being a part of the passing game. Maybe Kenny Gainwell is a bigger part of the offense just in general. If that's the case, how does that affect the overall usage of the running backs? Uh, the coach is well on record. It's saying, don't read anything into who's playing. Because we keep talking about Kim Jurgens getting all the snaps with the one. That's how you determine everything. Who's playing with Jalen Hurts? Who's out there with Jalen Hurts? That guy's the starter. That guy's number one. That's the guy they're going to lean on. That's how we determine basically everything. Uh, but the coach said, don't do that. Because I'm going to be changing the guys from day to day. We really are open-minded about our running back room. You buying? Or do you think that they already have certain at least leanings for this year as to how they're going to use their running back? And they got five guys for four spots at best. And last year, remember, it was four guys on the roster, but three guys active. Uh, Sermon was basically inactive for 
what was it, 15 out of 17 games? Something like that. He, he, he got dressed twice because somebody was hurt. And that's the only way he got in because somebody was injured in a given game. How's this whole running back thing going to shake out, Farzi? Remember how you were talking about the 1A, the 1 and 1A when it came to Steen and Cam Jerkins and how that's very discernible, easily discernible and all that stuff? Uh, when it comes to the running back room, it's a rotation. It is a revolving door. And that's not to say that one guy's going to be terrible. That's not to say one guy's going to really take off. They're going to ride the hot hand. Uh, I think the number one target out of the backfield is going to be DeAndre Swift. I don't think you go and get a guy that can catch 45 to 55 you know, passes in a season, more than that even. I don't think you go get him from the Lions and add him to this backfield unless you're planning on making that part of your game. Uh, we talked about it in other years. I know Nick Sirianni said don't buy into it, as you just pointed out. But last year, we, we talked about the same thing. Oh, could the screen game be coming back and helping out the Philadelphia Eagles? Could wheel routes become a thing for the first time since Darren Sproles? Uh, could this really be a big part of the, the Eagles offense? We haven't really seen it in the last couple of years. Uh, we talked about it last year with Miles Sanders. We talked about incorporating Kenny Gainwell more, and we still haven't seen it. And I think one of the things that Jalen Hurts doesn't want to do is check down, doesn't like to check down to the running backs. How about the play is throwing to a running back? How about the play is a screen? How about the play is making sure you do, yeah, at times have that safety valve there in the flat for Jalen Hurts to check down to? I think this year when you have Kenny Gainwell – you have DeAndre Swift. You have two guys that can very much catch the ball out of the backfield. I think Boston Scott can do that, too, if he is going to be a member of this team, which I do think he is. And then you have a guy that I think is going to be clear-cut as a guy to run between the tackles in Rashad Penny. I think it's I think it's very easy to look at this uh, Eagles uh, backfield and say that you're going to have success in being able to throw the football to your running backs. The number one difference for me isn't, you know, Miles Sanders trying to improve upon catching passes out of the backfield, which he did, uh, I think, better last year than he did in years prior. Um, and you don't have Kenny Gainwell that you're just looking to groom as a guy that's going to catch, uh, you know, catch passes. You literally went out there and you made the acquisition of DeAndre Swift, one of the best running backs in the NFL right now, to be able to do that, and probably your best since you had Darren Sproles. So that is the number one reason as to why I think you can buy into the idea of them throwing to running backs more in this offense for the upcoming season. Well, uh, and that, that may be just the way it plays. John and I talked about it earlier the one thing that I think the Eagles have as a weakness with their backs right now, and it could be better. And John looked it up that DeAndre Swift, at least as per pro football focus was one of the better blocking backs, uh, pass protection running backs in the league. I ranked number four overall. Uh, I think I saw it on BLG's post on bleeding green nation. They had a session of keeping the backs in and doing blocking against blitzes the other day. Not good. As a group, they weren't all that good, but uh, at least last year, DeAndre Swift was uh, pretty good at it. And you think about Miles, um, the, the funny thing, and it would be really interesting to see if he does any of it with the Panthers this year. His first year, his rookie year as a, an Eagle, he was really good at catching the ball out of the backfield. And it was like he forgot everything he learned his rookie year, his second year, his third year. He peaked up a little bit, but not really last year. He just kind of disappeared after having a real good rookie year catching the football. Um, one, one thing I do want to say about the, the DeAndre Swift, uh, I, I was reading, I think it was Jeff McClain who put it out there, that uh, N'Kobe Dean, Dean, and I know we've talked about this, he hasn't really wowed anyone, but he hasn't really disappointed anyone necessarily. Like He hasn't had a play where it's like, what the hell is he doing here? And then he hasn't had a play also where he's like, look at that, that was incredible. But uh, apparently, Dakobe Dean did uh, did truck DeAndre Swift rather well in the backfield uh, on day four of practice. So, 
But there you go. There's something. There's something for N'Kobe Dean. We shall see. All right. Uh, one other position I do want to ask you about uh, is uh, punter for the Eagles this year. And I know we, we all uh, laugh and tip. Eagles are winning the Super Bowl. The Hello. Eagles are, the Eagles yes, are winning the Super Thank Bowl. you very much for going there, Mr. Farzetta. <laughs> if you didn't have a Shankopotamus from Aaron Sipos in the Super Bowl, it could have been a completely different outcome with a completely different outfit for uh -huh. her. Uh, Kelsey after the parade, this, well, no, it all went by the boards. <laughs> um, they brought in a punter to compete with him, which was really weird last year. They didn't even bring in somebody to compete in camp. At least yep. they did the right thing and brought in Zetner this year. But John has said it's been no contest that Sipos has just blatantly outkicked him. Is there any chance that they kind of look past practice and go, yeah, but the Super Bowl. Yeah, but the Super Bowl. Yeah, but the that that they go in another direction. If they were really that ticked off, I guess they could have just cut uh, Sippus and and moved on and brought in somebody else. Yeah, he's gonna, he's gonna be the Eagle punter again this year, isn't he? That is gonna happen. Slate him in. That I mean, forget again about the one and the one A's. He is the only one. He's the he's going to be the Eagles punter in the upcoming season. Yeah, if if they were done with him, they they would have moved on. They wouldn't have had this whatever bogus punter competition. Uh, and yes, it's more specifically, uh, last year in the Super Bowl, not a great performance to say the least. But uh, I'm more saying it for um, and this is I, I honestly I feel like this go in this off season, Jody. I remember when the Eagles uh, the, the the off season and training camp and preseason leading up to. Uh, the Super Bowl victory. We were talking about who the long snapper was going to be. We were talking about uh, worried about the long snapper with John Dorenbos just being uh, traded. And of course, later having his life saved by that trade. Um, we talked about the backup quarterback playing enough. Of course, that was Nick Foles, uh, whether or not he played enough in the preseason. I bring those points up simply for the fact that those seemed pretty moot going into the regular season. And now we're talking about the backup punter or excuse me, the punting position for the Philadelphia Eagles. And although, you know, definitely important, um, that goes to show you if you have a depth chart of concerns, that is pretty far down there when it comes to the punter of the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, granted, the Super Bowl wasn't great. It was bad. And yes, they probably win. Had not for a, what did you call it? A shankopotamus? Potamus. Yeah. Um, uh, they, they they probably have a, a much better run there in that Super Bowl and maybe hold a lead. But uh, I don't think that the Eagles are seriously considering making a change at punter. And I hit you with one more, uh, and then we'll get to the top of the hour. Mike Sielski is going to join us, the uh, lead sports columnist for the Inquirer, going to join uh, the show in about 25 minutes. Um, I asked John about this, and he, he surprised me a little bit. Uh, maybe I should have uh, asked the question differently. I asked him wide receiver five. We know that A.J. Brown and uh, Devontae Smith are number one and Quez is number three. Well, did you know that Quez was elite? He he told the world yesterday that he was elite. I, I, I missed that memo. Sorry about that, Quez. Uh, but he's, he's locked in at number three. And John said Britton Covey is locked in at number five. He's going to be the fifth wide receiver. He's going to get the fifth number of snaps at the wide receiver position. But he's a lock to make the team because of his uh, return skills. And that if there is a battle for a wide receiver position, it's wide receiver four with Alamade Zacchaeus and the many other receivers that the Eagles have in camp here. 
Um, is Britton Covey a lock to make this team just because he is uh, the, the punt returner and they don't have faith in anybody else returning punts? I, I think so. I think they are going to at least invest that into special teams. Um, and I know it's a feel-good story. And you talk about uh, the, the, the uh, what do you call it, the, the, the track championships and all that stuff. He's great at it and all that. But um, No, no, no. That's Devin Allen. Oh, I'm sorry, Devin Allen. No, I'm sorry. I'm confusing. I'm talking Yeah, Yeah, Covey. Excuse me. Um, no, but I think that they did trust him with that spot last year, and it took a little bit while, a little bit of a while to figure that out last year. And I think they look around right now at who they have, and I don't think they trust anybody else to field punts or in the event that you can actually return a kickoff. I think that that's what they'll invest in. I think it's going to be another what practice squad year, possibly for if they can even practice squad Greg Ward at this point. But yeah, I think your top five guys are are pretty much set. The only real battle is the jockeying of position, which to what I understand isn't much of a jockeying position between your uh, number three in Quez Watkins and uh, Zacchaeus as well. So I think those are your only two that you're going to be shifting around. And, oh, by the way, for all the wide receivers who are in camp, this just if you're watching Birds 365, which would be a smart thing to do since you're heading down to the Novacare in just a couple of minutes. Um some a way that you could sneak onto the team and again uh, there's going to be a 16-man practice squad there's going to be a couple wide receivers if not three that are going to be on that 16-man you want to be on the practice squad blocking downfield last year they had zach pascal here who was kind of the teacher's pet the coach's favorite because he would busted and was a very accomplished downfield blocker which you don't usually think of as a key attribute for a wide receiver in a league is ability to block tell me can he catch can he make a play can he make somebody miss um but we know that the coach is a bit of a one wide receiver wonk because he used to be a wide receiver and he takes it very seriously when talking about the wide receiver position so for any of you guys trying to grab that practice squad yeah, open somebody's eyes. Lay somebody out in practice with a block this week. That'll move you up the charts a little bit. Just a helping hand from your buddy, Coach Mack, here. All right, he's Mark Farzad. I'm Jody McDonald. We're going to take a quickie timeout. Uh, Mike Sealski in 20 minutes from now. When I come back with Farzee, the Philadelphia Eagles in the top 100. We'll break it down for you next year on Birds 365. you own a company and you're not producing a podcast you're missing out the public consumes messaging when they're ready join the professional podcast network of companies and let jacob media partners put you in the podcast arena come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast call jacob media right now at 267-261-3428 267-261-3428 Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind 
and get lost in the woods. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Yeah, Bridge 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Mark Farzetta in for John McMone. Johnny Mac, if he's not already over there, I'm, I'm pretty sure he is, uh, has made his way over to uh, the Eagles training facility. They got a full practice today. Will it be green or not? Only the coach knows for sure, and he'll tell those guys when he meets with them coming up in a couple of minutes. Uh, Farzi, here's what I want to do for the next 20 minutes before Mike Sielski joins us. Um Notice that they came out with the next grouping of players in the top 100 players as per NFL.com. And NFL.com makes this list up of the top 100 as votes by the NFL players. Now, everybody's got a list. We've been doing them for friggin' four months. People love lists. They and really they, love lists. They love them. And when there's no actual football being played, you got to fill time somehow. So everybody comes up with a list, a local list, national list. Everybody's got a list. And it, I just think it's funny that the one, now this is just my read from afar. John can could speak to this better than I could because he's down there. He's in the locker room. But I follow enough players' social media accounts to have a grasp of the whole thing. It seems like the one they care most about is their Madden rankings. That 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 hits home because everybody plays video games more yeah. so than Sports Illustrated lists or Jody McDonald's list or Mark Farzetta's list or Peter King's or whoever, any of the media ones. It doesn't come close to comparing to what's your number on Madden. But I would think that the NFL.com list does score some points because it's players talking about players. Mm-hmm. yeah it's it's pro bowl stuff it's it's like i'm getting snubbed and this player is not better than me i know i'm better than him whatever yeah but even do you think they care more about uh fellow and and they vote for the pro bowl but it's not purely the players vote mm-hmm. the fans vote and the coaches vote this is just about the players do you think most players care about what other players think about them absolutely after yeah. i mean those are the guys that they're trying to 
impress, uh, manhandle, beat, you know, every single game day. So if that player on the other side of the line of scrimmage doesn't really respect you and they think there's a ton of other guys or, I don't know, five, six other guys that are better than you that eventually knock you off that list, it's all about being competitive. And they want to know, they want to feel like they're the best possible competition or as close to the best possible competition as anybody else that you're going to set foot on the field with. So being snubbed off a list like that definitely would stick in the craw of a lot of players. And and real quick, on those Madden ratings, you ever talk to a former or current player about their Madden rating? They usually say, I don't pay attention to that. I don't care about that. And then you say, what's your lowest Madden rating ever? And they go, I don't, I don't even know. I don't care. 79. They know it every single Absolutely one of them. Absolutely right. Every single one of them knows what, the, what their lowest batting rating was. But, yes, to answer your question, uh, they give a damn about what the top 100 is. Okay, that's good to know. Um, and uh, you were leaning toward this. If they can use it as motivation, more power to them. That's what you're hoping each player, if you're talking about an Eagle and you're an Eagle fan, you're hoping an Eagle player looks at it as, what do you mean I was 42? I should be in the top 30. Uh, let me check this. I'll remember. We play them week. What? You're always hoping that the player uses it as motivation because in their mind they were slighted. You're never going to get somebody to go, holy crap, they had me in the top 20. I'm not a top 20 player. That never happens. So you hope that they use it as motivation going into the season. Eagles who cracked the top 100 this year and the NFL uh, uh, network reveals that they reveal it online and they reveal it uh, with a highlight uh, show each week and do it 10 at a time, 10 to 91, so on and so forth. Uh, they have cracked the top 20, uh, excuse me, they uh, have gotten to number 20 between 120. At number 100 was Devontae Smith. He just snuck into the top 100. Mark my words, he'll be higher ranked next year. Devante's got an arrow pointing directly up. But he did get into the top 100, which was probably pretty debatable. Uh, so good on Devante, good on the NFL players for putting him in the top 100. At number 65 was Darius Slay, which yeah, makes sense, sounds about right to me. Mm, I'll get to another point in just a second. Hassan Reddick who just the other day said, I'm elite. I'm with all these guys. Uh, I had a historic year this past year. My previous years, which were pretty damn good. He got 10 sacks every year up until uh, this past year. We went to 19 and a half. Um, he said they were bad because he set the new bar for himself. Well, the new bar got him to number 48 which I guarantee you he's never ranked in the top 100 before. So jumping in at number 48 is not bad, but I bet you he's pretty ticked off at 48. I think he thinks he's better than that. I'll tell you this. I think he's more pissed off at that than he is his contract. And I know people were trying to make a big deal out of him, like acknowledging, well, yeah, I'm underpaid, but I can't. Let's, that's not the point. Like my point is to create a legacy. I just want to say that real quick, while you're on the subject of Hassan Reddick, mm -hmm. that's exactly what you want to hear from a player. That is... Like, in this day and age, it seems so unbelievably lost where he said all the right things. Like, he acknowledged the fact that with his defensive production and defensive player of the year consideration last year, at least, that he that the money stuff, whatever. It's about building a legacy and a Hall of Fame career. Um, he keeps up doing what he was doing last year and really the two previous years as well. Oh, this guy is going to write one hell of a legacy here in Philadelphia. I mean, he's already started writing it elsewhere. Last year was a nice start here in Philly. 
But oh my goodness, man, I I was hanging on every word he had to say about the, forget about the contract. It's all about building a winner here in Philadelphia. And me doing what I'm supposed to be doing to help this team be a winner. And oh, by the way, we discussed this quickly yesterday. I think John either didn't understand the point I was making, or or he didn't know for sure. I don't think he was in that scrum. I defended what I was told. Most of the people say it was Jeff McClain who asked the. A follow-up question, do you think you were, do you see yourself as underpaid? Um, I defend him for that question. So he's trying to start stuff. Why do you even do that? Why do you go there, McClay? Blah, blah. No, Hassan Reddick brought up salary. He said some people judge themselves by their salary. He didn't say I do, but he said some people. And once you do that, you open up the door for the yeah. question of salary. So his son kind of opened the door, and yeah, Jeff McClain pushed it wide open, and I'd say more power to him. I thought Absolutely. it was a fair question. Absolutely a fair question. All right, uh, Hassan Reddick at number 48, Lane Johnson at number 41, and Jason Kelsey at 37, which is interesting because for me, and everybody loves Kelsey, and why wouldn't you love Kelsey? He's going to the Hall of Fame. Lane Johnson is better at his position than Jason Kelsey is at his position. You might make the argument they're both the best at their individual positions, but I think Lane Johnson at right tackle is far superior to every other right tackle. There are some centers that you can say are pretty damn close to Kelsey, if not even with Kelsey. So uh, that's just a respect thing. Uh, and Kelsey gets it. And he's earned it and he deserves it. So he's slightly ahead of Lane at 37 with Lane being 41 and AJ Brown comes in at number 22. So as of now in the top hundred and they have not revealed the top 20 yet, AJ 22, Kelsey 37, Lane 41, uh, Hassan 48, Slay 40, uh, 65 and Devante just snuck into the top hundred at number 100. Six Eagles so far. The quarterback's still yet to come, right? You, uh, yeah. You don't, you don't think that they <laughs> no. can leave Jalen Hurts out of the top 100, do you? Absolutely not. And I haven't, I don't know if you know this off the top of your head. I don't have the list in front of me, but is there any, who, what are the quarterbacks are on the list? Do we know the quarterbacks on the list yet? I, I don't have the list in front of me either. Okay. That would be a good, obviously, jumping well, off. You, can I just give you one that kind of surprised the hell out of me and man? I was just talking about uh, guys getting motivation from deep being disrespected on lists. Okay. What do you think Aaron Rodgers was going into the 2022 season? On the list, top 100? Yes. Going into last year. Quarterback love. 15? 10? Not even close. Higher. Wow. Where was he at? Number three, he was the number three ranked player going into last season as per the players. Guess where he is this year? After the not so stellar year in Green Bay in which the Packers didn't make the playoffs. Mm. I'm going to say he's in the 30s. He's in the 50s. Oh, 51. Aaron Rodgers dropped 48 spots from number three to number 51. You talk about a motivated guy. He had a bunch of other things that he's motivated by. The fact that he got the hell out of Green Bay, that he's a Jet, Mm. that he's feeling good enough about himself that he can give back $35 million. Uh, He's got a new great brand of ayahuasca, I'm thinking. Mm. Um, 
but from three to 51, you talk about a chip on a shoulder. Mm. I love the fact that Aaron Rodgers is going to be that motivated for the Jets this year. Really? That's a slight to the Jets, if anything there, Jody. That's an awful slight to the Jets. Oh, yeah, no, now he's with you guys. Oh, he's not going to be nearly a top three guy. He's going to be a he's going to be a middle of the road quarterback. That is I find sorry, I find it hilarious. No, I'll tell you uh, that uh, you, you're you're doing disrespect now. That Jets got oh. reason to be pissed off at Farzi. Um, <laughs> yeah, now, I, now I'll you be. Are, you are woefully this. disrespecting the New York Jets, and uh, both I and the Jets will remember that. Um, can confirm. Can confirm. Disrespecting. And and oh, by the way, shame on the players that had him at number three. Devontae Adams left before the season started, so you had to know that Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm productivity was coming down in green bay last year why the hell do you put him at number three that, so I, yeah. the, the players are the ones that should be uh held accountable for overrating rogers last year but this year with the talented wide receiver core that the new york jets have woefully underrated at number 51 coming into the season Just that work. is yeah that, that's pretty wild um let, let me ask you this question real quick there jody is there an eagle this year that you think will have a good enough season to crack in to the top 100. You mentioned Devontae Smith. How you see him definitely moving up the charts there from number 10. Is there an eagle? Because there's one I have in mind that I think could make this list and not just make it from not being ranked, but make it as a guy that could possibly, you know, crank it even above top 70, maybe? Okay. Uh, two come to mind uh, because I said – uh, wrote them down myself. Not in the top hundred, really. Uh, number one is Josh Sweat. Double okay. digit sacks last mm-hmm. year. I get it. It's a rotation, and BG's gonna play. And with Nolan Smith being drafted, he's gonna play. Not like Josh Sweat's gonna be out there every. But he wasn't out there every single snap last year. They went rotation every last year too, and he still got double digit sacks. And he's that good. I was surprised that Josh Sweat did not crack the top 100. And here's the other one where I guess it's a personal thing. Which Philadelphia Eagle cornerback was better last year? I'm just talking last year. I'm not right. talking entire career. Mm-hmm. Just last year, Bradbury or Slay? James Bradbury. Same thing. I'd say the same thing. Slay got off to a great start. And McMullen loves talking about that Viking game where he really did do a good job of checking Justin Jefferson and it was a great game. I'm not trying to take it away from big play slay. He was phenomenal that game, but you're looking at the entire season, including postseason. James Bradbury had the better year. If you're just asking me my grade for the entire year, I would tell you James Bradbury would have a better year. If you want to say Darius Slay had a better career prior to, okay, I'll I'll sign off on that. Mm -hmm. But doesn't being better last year have a heavy hand in it? Bradbury unranked Darius Slay 65. Mm-hmm. That I don't understand. I, yeah, don't- I've got to believe those two should be very close to each other with the fact that Bradbury had the better year last year. Slay had the better career before. Yeah. Don't you love lists, Jody? Aren't lists the Why greatest? I'm bringing it up with you, Farzi, because I love lists. <laughs> um, I love those two names. They're not the names I was thinking of. Really? But I, I, I agree. I, I do agree. Yes, career, it's not even a question, not even a debate. Darius Slay over James Bradbury, end of discussion. Um, the guy I'm thinking of, and it's definitely one of those situations where, you know, got to stay healthy. Dallas Goddard is one of the best tight ends in football. He 
blocking, receiving. He just stays healthy. He makes a Pro Bowl, and maybe he cracks this list even uh, maybe in the you know top 80. But he has a good year this year. He's got two wide receivers that are obviously already on the list that are playing outside of him and Devontae Smith and uh, A.J. Brown. If Dallas Goddard stays healthy, this That's I think key. he cracks this list no problem next year. That's the whole key. He would have cracked the list this year hadn't had he not missed the amount of games that he yeah. did last year. The so his overall gross numbers didn't compare to Andrews and Kelsey and uh, San Francisco. I'm satsing uh, out on who's the 49er tight end. Why am I forgetting his name? Uh, Kittle. Kittle, George Kittle. Um, that's why he, uh, he didn't match up to those guys because he missed time. Mm -hmm. So if he stays healthy this year, he's going to be in that group with them. And you're right, he's going to crack the uh, top 100. I agree. All right, Jordy Mac and Mark Farzetta here with you on Birds 365. We're hoping to hear from Mike Sielski, our buddy from the Philadelphia Inquirer WIP on the weekends. He does Saturday with Mac now. I do Sunday with Mac now. Uh, we're hoping to get Sielski. Up next here on Birds 365. Stay with us. stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go Bird! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go Birds. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement. But would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, did you know I was the mommy slam dunk champion? Really? <laughs> yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crowd. So go to right, go to look. Fake a mom. Mama, go. Oh, mama! She did it. Again. You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings. 
United Healthcare. Uh huh. E A G L E S. Eagles. You got uh, Bird Three Sixty Five here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Oh, I know we're getting a whole bunch of likes today because Farzad is on. And McMullen and I, we ticked you off more than anything else. But when Farzee's on, we need to add to our likes. So if you're streamed in right now, get us up. Hit us uh, with a like button uh, to improve our algorithm. Do you got any idea what that means? They tell me that I have no idea what that means, improve our algorithm. Uh, it, it puts us in the, in, the, in the stream and the flow of things. So when people are looking for content, we pop right in that stream. That's what it is. Huh? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you don't have an algorithm? Uh, do, do, do you have a, the Instagram there, Jody? I can't even spell algorithm. So how the hell would I understand what it actually means or does if your algorithm is good, bad, or indifferent? You know, you're not on the TikTok. You're not doing the TikTok. No, 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 no. Uh, I'm I'm X, uh, <laughs> aka Twitter, and that's about it. Uh, I I never did Instagram for what very one specific reason. Isn't Instagram as much picture-based as anything else? Yes. Right. Literally photo, like non-video. I mean, you can put videos, but it's literally just pictures, photos, yes. I'm doing Madonna for you here. You yeah. think we're going to highlight this picture as often as possible? No. What? I, I stick to the printed word. That doesn't get me. No, nobody. Oh, shoot, let me drop that immediately. No, I don't need to be doing uh, Instagram. Uh, uh, no, I, I, I'm not looking to... To gain followers via my great pictures. My pictures are A, boring, and B, ugly. So, yeah. <laughs> Twitter is fine. X is fine. Mm. I'll put out my messages via that way if I'm yeah. going to do social media. Don't don't need the Instagram. And what's the new... Uh, uh, but you got to have Instagram to be part of the new threads. Is threads. That the, threads. You got a, a threads account? I do have a threads account. I really don't use it that much. It, 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 it shows you too much of the people you don't follow and don't really have interest in. And it just so it's not a lot of that. I don't. I saw. So I'm. I'm. I'm still on the X right now. Threads is still working out a lot of the kinks. Uh, they are. Why? What? Where? Where does it come up small? Uh, it makes you see tweet or yeah, threads from people you don't follow, which I find to be extremely. Oh, really? Annoying. Yeah. If I if I found what that person said uh, to be uh, noteworthy or at all interesting, I would follow them. So I don't need to see that uh, Kylie Jenner. You know, you know, tweeted something, a non-picture. Uh, I don't need it. I don't need it. I don't need the thoughts. You know what I'm saying? I just need to follow the people that uh, I feel will uh, contribute in some way, shape, or form to the things that I'm interested in. They they control the narrative, huh? <laughs> Go figure. Go figure. Yeah, that's... Uh, and uh, I need X. I need some kind of social media outlet, so I'm not going to drop them all, but it does get really annoying when you, you realize that... People are determining for you what you should be watching. No, I, I kind of want to decide that for myself. Uh, mm. it's a great thing called a television. I get to choose the channels. It just doesn't go to a channel for me. I get to choose what channels. And uh, tremendously, they leave it on the last channel I was watching before I go to bed. And when I turn it off, and that's the only time I turn it off is when I go to bed. Uh, but it, it's on that same exact, got up this morning, boom, NBC Sports Philadelphia there. Because I watched Michael Barkham whine and complain about the Phillies last night. I shouldn't say whine because they deserved every bit of yeah, the last game that he gave them. So. Uh, yeah, I, I don't like to be dictated to by uh, anyone else as to what I should be uh, watching. All right, Farzee, um, McMullen's already over there. He's at practice 
back-to-back practices, first time this year. I asked him this. I'll, I'll just ask you to speculate as well. You think the coach is happy what he's gotten out of practice so far? You can judge by both his actions, what he says, when he's available to the media and the like, but only he knows for sure. So I'm going to ask you to read between the lines a little bit here. You think they've gotten done what they've needed to get done so far this season? Yes, um, I do. I Look, they're doing these – I know the, the old school people look at it as patty cake practices where they have like the easiest – last year they had the easiest uh, training camp schedule of anybody. So that's fine. And then after that, they had this uh, you know easier schedule this year. So I think Nick Sirianni and scaling it back is being a little overly aggressive just to try to make a point. Like, while I have you for this limited time, I'm going to make sure we earn every second of this limited time. That's why you see the bullhorn. That's why you see him on guys more than usual. And he said, oh, no, it's nothing different. From what I understand, it is a little bit different than it even was a year ago where they were really soft at practice. And look, it led to a Super Bowl berth. So if it works for him, keep on riding it. But I do think that Sirianni is being a little bit more aggressive in the limited time he has with his players. I don't have a problem with that. Do you? No, zero. Because, uh, again, uh, John and I discussed this. You and I haven't. We believe that the amount of practice that Eagles do is certainly an organizational decision. It isn't a pure Sirianni decision. We think Sirianni has input. Shoot, he's the one who decides how long practice is going to go. He can stop it after 65 minutes, or he can make it 75 or 85 minutes. Howie Roseman isn't standing on the sidelines blowing a whistle. That's it. Everybody off showers. <laughs> so we know that the coach has at least a chunk of control over it. But John and I both believe if there weren't some guidelines put in place, Nick Sirianni would practice as much as any other coach in the league. He'd push it right up to the CBA allowed limit on an everyday basis just because he's as competitive a guy as he is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Very emotional, ready to go at all times. And that's a good thing. I think that's part of what makes uh, Sirianni as good a coach as he is. I uh, do want to talk about the quarterback, and I think it is stone cold amazing that uh, Jalen Hurd signs this massive contract during the offseason uh, for uh, uh, an, over an entire year. Uh, Jalen Hurts was all we talked about because is Jalen Hurts good enough? Is Jalen Hurts actually going to be the quarterback? Are they going to go get Russell Wilson? Or can they stomach, can the fan base stomach Deshaun Watson if the Eagles were to acquire him? And none of that happened, and Jalen was – uh, deemed the quarterback here and followed up a solid second season with an unbelievable breakout, one of the best quarterbacks in the league seasons. And then once he got the contract signed, he kind of went away from everybody's consciousness because, okay, he's locked up. He's our guy. He's going to be a top 20 player on the NFL list this year. So we can all just relax and concentrate on everything else. But the quarterback is still a quarterback and has the most input into each weekend's win or loss is I'm going to use a specific phrase here is Jalen hurts flying under the radar. Uh, I think in the national scale of things, uh, he is flying under the radar and no, I, I'm talking about I, right here in Philadelphia, I'm oh. talking about birds, three sixty five WIP. Yes. Wherever you want to judge your Philadelphia pulse. Of Absolutely. The fan base. Is he flying under the radar here in Philly? Absolutely, because every time I've been a guest or I have filled in for John McMullen, I'll mention something about Jalen Hurts. And Jody, you always say, you know, we don't even talk about the quarter. We don't even talk. Yeah, we don't even talk. We don't even talk about it again today. <laughs> <laughs> look, I feel like, look, I think 
the the Eagles right now are in a very unique position that is very odd and strange for any Philadelphia Eagles fan of, of all time of any well unless you were there for 48 and 49 the back-to-back championships and the 1960 championship unless that was in your you know in your uh, you know in, in your uh, murderer's row or whatever unless that was in your timeline we have no idea how to feel about this right now we have no idea how to feel about having extreme confidence in an owner having extreme confidence in the general manager, having extreme confidence in the head coach and the quarterback, that doesn't happen. We That never happens. Like, it feels like something's going to go wrong. It feels like everything's going too well right now. And something – Howie Roseman's going to make a bad move. Nick Sirianni is going to have to take over play calling again because Brian Johnson's not going to do a good job. You know, there's just – it feels like something is going to happen. But you can't foresee that. You can't make that call right now. It has to happen. But – Odds are right now with this team, it, it's not going to happen. They're in phenomenal hands right now when it comes to Jalen Hurts, Nick Sirianni, Howie Roseman, and, yes, even Jeffrey Lurie. But just talk, talking about the quarterback, a quarterback is supposed to be a great deodorant to a team that stinks. Like a lot of things could go wrong on a team, but if you have a great quarterback, you could overcome a lot, and especially with expanded playoffs, or most of them they have ever been, you could still be a playoff team as long as your quarterback plays great. And uh, uh, look, a terrible offensive line is probably the hardest thing to overcome, but they don't have a terrible offensive line and they have an offensive line coach that a lot of people have confidence in uh, another guy they have confidence in to make sure they have other guys that are ready to fill in those roles. I look at a guy like Jalen Hurts that can be that phenomenal deodorant to a team that stinks and Jalen Hurts, because he is that good and because the team that was built around him is that good. And we're just talking about the top 100 list there. That, that's pretty damn good. Yeah. The quarterback is not even close to uh, a conversation point because he is taken care of and he feels like we feel like he's going to take care of this fan base and the rest of this team. The bigger question marks exist on the defensive side of the football. And you could talk about young guys that still have to prove themselves, whether they be rookies or they be second year players, Jordan Davis or the rookies of Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith, or a uh, only a second year defensive coordinator in Sean Desai. So we have all that to determine and figure out. So the quarterback, you look at that position right there and you go, Oh, we're good there. All right, what else do we got? And that's how he flies under the radar. We already have the expectation that Jalen Hurts is going to repeat what he did last year, if not be better than what he was last year. And he's going to apply the experience that he gained from last year, which would make him a better quarterback. So, and, yeah, he flies under the radar as far as that goes. And, oh, by the way, he looks good in Midnight Green. I just <laughs> I felt the need to add that to the conversation. Midnight or Kelly? Uh, what, both. both. Uh, yeah. I meant to say Kelly. Thank you for <laughs> Uh, because they did a good job of getting the guys out there and helping them sell some jerseys, which shame on the company to put. How do you run out of them after only two days? Did you not know that these things were going to sell like hotcakes here in town? Uh, but uh, I'm assuming they're uh, restocking as we speak. Yeah. All right, you you did go in. By the way, um, we we're hoping to get Mike Sielski up here. We had some trouble making the connection. At one point, Sielski was on audio only, and I didn't see the text, but uh, we couldn't get his video. His face has never popped up here in, in our green room. Uh, we'll try and get Mike on for, if it's only for a couple of questions, audio only, before we get out of here. But we had some con connection issues. So apologize for that. Uh, we're, uh, we're supposed to have Mike on, and he tried to get on, but we couldn't do it. But, but they need to know that. Sean Desai. You mentioned the defensive coordinator who the Eagles have changes on defense uh, dictated to by free agency and a couple of very 
key players like Hargrave uh, going elsewhere for righteous paydays that the Eagles weren't willing to match. Linebacker, major turnover. Safety, major turnover. Uh, Sean Desai replacing uh, Coach Gannon, who wasn't always the fan favorite here in town. How tough a job do you think Sean Desai has this year? All things in. First time D.C. here in Philadelphia, but he seems like he understands the town quite well. Um, pressure of the number two defense in the NFL last year, statistically at least, uh, and having to deal with a bunch. Of, they're all new to him. That's one thing that I think that doesn't get stated enough. Oh, so much change on the Eagle defense. Ooh, everything's changed on a Eagle defense through the eyes of the defense quarter. He wasn't here last year. So he's just gathering his group together, evaluating and trying to put them together as best as he possibly can. How tough a task does Sean Desai have this year? I, I think he has a very tall task. I mean, if you talk about non-players in, in Philadelphia, I mean, you could obviously talk about GMs, president of whatever operations for whatever sport, like Daryl Morey, for instance, president of basketball, whatever. He, right up there as far as like most difficult, most scrutinized most broken down jobs that you could get in Philadelphia is probably the defensive coordinator of the Philadelphia Eagles. Like when you talk about generally speaking, the most important job is probably is, is the quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. Then when you really start to go down there as guys that aren't playing defensive coordinator, of the Philadelphia Eagles, like we'll cut you, man. We will cut you. We will get riled up and get angry about whatever the defensive coordinator, of the Philadelphia Eagles, 70 sacks in the season. You're not doing it the way I like it. So screw you, Jonathan Gannon. Like, that's how it breaks down. Jim Schwartz, people were very defensive of Jim Schwartz. I'll never forget being at that first draft party with Dick, Doug, Doug Peterson introducing his new coaching staff. And I remember Jim Schwartz gets introduced, Jody, and you would have thought Buddy Ryan was back on stage the way people were hooting and hollering for Jim Schwartz. And then, of course, that started to hit a little bit of a fan as well. People got tired of the wide nine. People got tired of sticks defense. And then, of course, Jonathan Gannon gets here, and it's a very similar type of thing, playing off the line of scrimmage, playing back making sure you weren't giving up the big play. That's not an exciting brand of football. You still get 70 sacks, and people are still upset because they don't like the way you're doing it. Sean Desai now, they have handed him a couple of beautiful sports cars, man. They have handed him the keys to guys like Jordan Davis, guys like Jalen Carter, and a guy like Nolan Smith, very young guys. Now N'Kobe Dean. Like, there's, like, there's four guys that are going to get a lot of snaps and a lot of playing time. For Sean Desai, he doesn't have a veteran like Javon Hargrave in the middle of the line of scrimmage next to a guy like Fletcher Cox. The next best, best thing is Milton Williams in that regard. So, And you're given a secondary right now where, yeah, you got pretty set at corner, obviously, even a nickel corner with Devontae Maddox and some other guys like Zach McPherson that could be playing for you or uh, Keely Ringo that could be coming up, but uh, he's another young guy. So there's a lot of guys there. You get to the secondary with the, the safety positions, and you're trusting guys that don't have a lot of experience either. So Sean Desai has his work cut out for him, man. And he doesn't have a lot of experience to boot, as we know. We know the one thing he has over Jonathan Gannon is he seems to have actually shake, you know, shook the hand of Vic Fangio. He actually worked for the guy. So that's what the defense wants to do. That's what the Eagles want their defense to do. But there's a tall order in front of Sean Desai right now. And he's got, he's got to do a very good job with the keys they have given him to this defense, especially when you consider – two first-round picks they have invested in his defense, and a third-round pick at linebacker, which the Eagles have not really uh, trusted a draft pick at all to be their middle linebacker over the last couple of years. And now they're giving him a third-round pick into Kobe Dean, uh, a top-tier talent, top-tier top, -tier, top, -tier, top -tier, uh, pedigree-type guy. And you're saying, all right, 
here's the keys to the kingdom, man. Here's the keys to the car. Don't crash it into a wall. Do something great with it. And you go on a long, long, non-bumpy trip with this. There's here's, a lot of work in front of Sean Desai. Here's where I think Sean Desai could get a bit of a break. Because okay. you can control what you can control. And then there are certain things that are slightly outside your own control. And that's the schedule. Um, we, When the Eagles schedule came out, we all went through it. And we looked at it as overall strength of the team that they're going to be playing. Ooh, easy early. A gauntlet at the middle of the season. And then lightens up again, specifically because they played the Giants twice, who they just flat out owned last year. Not once, not twice, three times. But looking specifically at one side of the ball to the other, the first five games, the only team for me that they're really going to be tested by offensively is Minnesota. And oh, by the way, they played Minnesota last year here in Philadelphia, same time, same bad channel, Thursday night, early in the season, and completely shut them down. Now, Minnesota has... Jefferson, one of the best players, probably the number one wide receiver in the NFL, but they also have a quarterback who just can't seem to win at night. And sure enough, they got Kirk Cousins, prime time. And that doesn't usually go well for Minnesota, but at least they have some weapons on offense. But even that, I think, is going to be reduced because their running back is going to be elsewhere. And they let Adam Thielen walk out the door. And I still think he's got game and will help Carolina. New England's offense doesn't scare me. If you believe that the Dalvin Cook let less Minnesota offense isn't as good as it was, and oh, by the way, Eagles shot it down last year, Tampa's offense, really? You think Tampa's going to come in, uh, they're going to have to go down and shut Tampa down because they got a chance to put up 31 points on Eagles? I don't think so. Kyle Trask putting up 30 points on Eagles? Don't think so. The Commanders, are you Sam Howell guy? He's uh, an oftentimes topic of conversation here on Birds 365 because I don't believe him a little bit, and Eddie Kratz might be the head of his Philadelphia fan club. Uh, you, you a Sam Howell guy for the Commanders issue? Not, not necessarily. No. To answer that question, no, I am not. I, I am not a Sam Howell guy with the Commanders. Nor am I. And uh, the, the Rams – don't have much of a running game. They're going to get Stafford back and Cooper Cup back, which are nice. But the Rams offense, give me any worries? Can keep you up from sleeping at night? Uh, am I missing sleep over it? No. So you got the Pats, the Vikings, the Bucks, the Commanders, and the Rams before you get Darren Rodgers and the Jets offense, which despite the disrespect that Farzee dropped on them earlier, is going to be one of the better offenses in the National Football League this year. That's five weeks to establish yourself as a pretty damn de- uh, defensive-minded uh, dominant team. Mm. I think Sean Desai benefits greatly from the way the Eagles schedule lays out. Sure. Uh, absolutely. Could happen. But, again, Eagles defense had a lot of success last year, and I don't remember Jonathan Gannon getting any leeway until uh, he said that they were going to bleep and gut the 49ers. Uh, and then he you know, kind of hurt his reputation after that as well, but uh, in the Super Bowl itself. But, yeah, I, it's, hey, look, if you're looking for a learning curve, if you're looking for an opportunity to uh, have a little bit, a couple breaks for you, that's a great way to start the season if you're Sean Desai. It's a great way to start your defensive coordinating uh, tenure. And let's not forget this little, uh, uh, little note here. Um, Sean Desai, as we've talked about before, has the – parameters of his defense the outline of his defense set for basically the what uh the way nick sirianni wants his defense to be run the way defense should be played according to nick sirianni so that's our that's already in the books a lot of guys and veterans have already been in that system 
So guys like Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham, for instance, or Hassan Reddick, those are guys that can put their arms around certain players, especially those younger guys I mentioned before, and make sure they understand the basic concept. Even though it's a different coordinator, the, the, the system is going to be very similar. It's going to have the foot, the um, fingerprints of Sean Desai, but they already have that comfort level. So that's a little bit of a curve for them as well, just like the schedule will be for Desai overall. He is Mark Farzetta. I'm Jody McDonald. You've got us here on Birds 365. Johnny Mack is over at uh, Eagle Practice. Seriality, probably talking to the uh, media as of right now. Eagles practice today, full practice. We'll find out if it's a padded practice or not. Um, but back-to-back days for the first time this year. Yeah, the season's actually getting closer. Me and Farzi going through the early schedule. Yes, you can get uh, excited about an upcoming season. All right, we're going to take a timeout here. Um, Sielski had, was tempting to do it on his phone. It wasn't working. He couldn't get the video but we were going to go audio only. Then he said, let me see if I can get in front of a uh, laptop. So if we can, we're going to punch Mike Zielski up for the last 15 minutes of the show. If he can get in front of a laptop, then we can stream him in. Uh, if we can't, then Farzee and I will just put a bow on the show here on Birds 365. You own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. 267-261-3428. Heading down the shore. Here, imaginations run wild and time stands still. Because here, you can find the best of the Jersey Shore all on one five-mile island. So leave the old you behind and get lost in the woods. Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com.
Zeta in for John McMullen here on Birds 365. Johnny Mac over covering Eagles practice. Uh, again, we had some technical difficulties. Part of that being Jody McDonald not uh, staying on top of his texts and or his <laughs> uh, private chat uh, punch-ups here on uh, Birds 365. Uh, multitasking does from time to time get the better of me. Uh, still hoping to get Sielski up here in the last 10 minutes of the show if we could sneak in a question or two for him. Uh, we will. And one of the things I want to ask him about is I'm going to give him a chance, like you did earlier, disrespecting the New York Jets. <laughs> to disrespect the Dallas Cowboys, I'm sure you saw the quotes. Jerry Jones says, the Cowboys are better. The Cowboys only finished one game behind the Eagles this year, but this year's Dallas Cowboy team is just flat out better as per their owner. I guess he doesn't realize that one of the best guards in the National Football League is staying at home and is not out there playing with his team and could get his quarterback killed. And maybe we shouldn't go there because Eagles are going with a new guard too, but we got more faith in Cam Jerkins and what the Cowboys are going to try and throw out there to replace Zach Martin. As much as I love Isaac Sayamalu, mm. trying to replace Zach Martin is harder than replacing Isaac Sayamalu. So uh, good luck with that. Uh, any uh, shots for the owner of the Dallas Cowboys you want to take if you're in a disrespectful mood there? <laughs> I don't really think it's with the Cowboys. I don't think it's really with the, uh, the Cowboys. I don't think it's disrespect. I think it's just reporting the news. Like, how do you like Jerry Jones isn't a threat. I don't look at Dak Prescott. I don't look at Mike McCarthy. I don't look at those guys as threats. I, I think the things they say before a season, Micah Parsons. Now, Micah Parsons is a great football player. He's, he's a threat. But I look at what the Cowboys say in the preseason, and I go, oh, that's adorable. Like, that's so cute that they have all that confidence. Like, look at them. That's so beautiful they have all that confidence, even though they're about to choke in another season. Look at them. Just adorable. Pinch See, now that's, cheeks. Mark Farzad is a nice guy, and that's the way he would look at it. Mike Sielski is a nice guy. That's the way he looked at it. I'll tell you what most Eagle fans would say. Hold on. Let me get this out of my eye. Here's what I think of Jerry. <laughs> Okay. Just just a guess the way that most of the Eagle fans would look at it. Do I have the wrong read on that, Sielski? Do you think Eagle fans are taking the, oh, that's cute, Jerry Jones, Mark Farzetta's stance on the owner of the Cowboys? You know, I think more Eagles fans nowadays probably take Farzetta's stance on oh, this, Jody. what are you nuts? Here's you why. WIP, you take calls on the weekend. Are yeah, you but, nuts? Jody, here's the thing. Okay, it's a it's a generational thing. You I grew up hating the Cowboys as an Eagles fan because I remembered a little bit of the 70s, tiny, tiny bit of the 70s and the 80s and certainly the 90s when the Cowboys were really good and the Eagles couldn't win a thing. And it's Troy Aikman, it's Emmett Smith, and it had been Roger Staubach and America's team. They haven't been that team for a long, long time. So there's a whole generation of Eagles fans who kind of look around, I think, and go, why is everybody worked up about the Cowboys? Yeah, they're good, and yeah, they're popular, but the Eagles have won a Super Bowl and are consistently better over the last 15 to 20 years than the Cowboys are, so why are we supposed to hate them so much? Yeah, but see, that's why I think you're just woefully wrong. Sorry to say. <laughs> um, they're not a threat. They like to think of themselves as a threat. Some obnoxious, over-the-top Cowboy fans want to harken back to 1990 as if they're going to play the 2023 season in 1990. It's not happening. 
Well, first of first of all, the Cowboys in 1990, I think, were only like nine and seven. Um, so I think the Eagles would take that. Whatever year you want to do. <laughs> When Jimmy was the coach, harken back to when Jimmy Johnson. Guess true. what? Mike McCarthy, not Jimmy Johnson, but some Cowboy fans, including the owner, might make you believe that that's the case. Yeah, but there are a lot of obnoxious fans of a lot of teams. And it's not the same because those Super Bowls in the early 90s and that domination throughout the 70s aren't as fresh in Eagles fans' minds as they once were. Look, I've talked to, say, Merrill Reese about this, okay? And Merrill has certain feelings about the Cowboys because he remembers when he was a, a kid in Philadelphia and the Cowboys would just beat the snot out of the Eagles every single year. That doesn't happen anymore. It just doesn't. And so the, the temperature is going to be turned down on the rivalry. The other thing is, I think from a rivalry standpoint, it's always been more intense on the Philadelphia side than it is on the Dallas side, because right. there are half a dozen to a dozen teams around the league who consider their Cowboys their biggest rival. You know, go to, go up to New York and ask Giants fans, who's your biggest rival? And they'll probably say the Cowboys. Back when Washington had an actual football franchise, people down there used to say, oh, the Cowboys are our biggest rival. San Francisco, oh, the Cowboys are our biggest rival. So it's diluted a little bit from the Texas end of things. Yeah, I would agree with that. And it's also still being built up, Mike. And, and Jody, you both know this. Like The national media loves bolstering the Cowboys simply because everybody cares about the Cowboys. If you hate the Cowboys, you care about the Cowboys. If you love the Cowboys, then obviously, then, well, you need help. And then also on top of that, you still care about the Cowboys. I grew up in an era where that was on the back end. They were great when I was little, and then they started to really fall by the wayside and kind of started to become a shell of what they once were. So I think people from my generation in particular look at it and go, wait a minute, hold on a second. This is the team we're supposed to be worried about? Because, Mike, to your point, like 20 years, the Cowboys not really being a threat, and the Eagles, through the Andy Reid era, becoming more of a dominant team in the NFC – you tend to look in the rearview mirror at the Cowboys before you look ahead to them and go, oh, you got to be concerned about them because they just seem every year to find a way to blow it. Yeah, there's two ways to look at this, Mark. You can look at it from like a practical football standpoint where you say, how relevant are the Cowboys year to year? How good are they really? Uh, and how much does that play into their relevance, right? Like the New England Patriots are not as relevant now. We can see three years after Tom Brady left, as they were when he was there, right? They were almost America's team while Brady was there. And now that he's gone, it's like, oh, okay, well, Bill Belichick, like, okay, great. Mac Jones is still their quarterback and they don't have any skill position talent. and They're the worst team in the AFC East. So why do we care about them? The Cowboys have something different. They're relevant just by being the Cowboys. They're like the Yankees. They're like the Lakers. TV ratings prove that. Look at ESPN and Fox Sports and the amount of time those shows spend talking about the Cowboys. They clearly still move the needle for all the reasons that we're talking about in terms of, you know, they have a fan base that loves them and they have a lot of fan bases that hate them. My colleague and friend Marcus Hayes has always maintained that the Philadelphia Inquirer and or Daily News should have a Cowboys beat writer, that we should be <laughs> at every Cowboys game because – there is a segment of the Eagles fan base, to Jody's point, that hates them that much and is interested in them that much. I'm just not sure anymore how big that segment of the Eagles fan base is. Uh, if I'm agreeing with Marcus Hayes, I'm okay with that. Uh, the Cowboys <laughs> still deserve the attack. They don't deserve the respect, 
But when Jerry Jones gets to running his mouth, I think Eagle fans should respond rather than just go, oh, it's just the Cowboys. The Cowboys, cute little team, as far as you said down there in tech. No, they're the Cowboys. Um, so uh, here's a question I have for you, Mike. Um, extensions. Johnny and I kicked this around. Uh, I do not need hair extensions, Jody. No. <laughs> you could use them. I'm a foregone conclusion. Farzi's <laughs> got no shot. We're out of that conversation, but that wasn't what I was referring to. I'm talking about contract extensions. Okay. Eagle players. Uh, they, 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 there's, I guess, a couple of guys. You got uh, Jalen Dunn, but there's a couple guys that you could talk about as far as an extension and Hassan Reddick kind of led us into that conversation the other day when he referenced the fact that there's a whole bunch of other guys that are on the same level he is and they're holding out uh, so that that uh, conversation was rightfully had. When is Nick Sirianni going to get a contract extension? That's a great question. Uh, I would think at some point this season, provided the team gets off to the start, that everybody presumes they're going to get off to. You know, we saw this with Andy Reid, for instance. Go back, uh, I guess it was 2020, 2001, 2002, where the Eagles kind of finally realized, um, okay, he's got it. We made the right call. Uh, they went from 3-13 and to 5-11 and to the playoffs and were humming along. And Andy did want a little more power, uh, and that differentiates him from, uh, from Sirianni. But same thing happened with Doug Peterson, right? They gave him an extension after the Super Bowl. So th that's, and that's where the question comes from for me. Peterson went to uh, now Sirianni he didn't win the game. I'm not blaming Sirianni for the losses. We could uh, Mike jumping in the end of the show. We could spend the next hour talking about yeah. last year's Super Bowl. Um, we're not going to. Right after Doug won, he got the extension before the next season started. As a matter of fact, it was early August. Where are we now? Early August. It's like, I got right here, August 5th. What's today? August 3rd. So if they're going to match it up, they got to get it done in the next two days, Mike Sielski. Do the same thing for Sirianni. They did for Doug Peterson. Do you think there's any chance those conversations are being had behind the scenes? Yeah, I think they probably are. The Eagles tend to keep these things close to the vest. Uh, I also think the fact that Peterson won a Super Bowl and Sirianni did it is a factor. I also think the fact that Sirianni has two new coordinators on his staff right now. If, if that were giving the Eagles brass pause about, okay, let's see what he does this season. I could understand that too. Uh, but I think Nick's a really good coach and I think they're probably going to extend him. Um, he seems not to be as craving the sword of power, at least yet that Andy did and that Chip Kelly absolutely did right out of the shoot. So I think there's a few different dynamics at play. I do also think, though, to your point, Jody, that Nick is feels much more emboldened naturally because of his personality to speak up and, and weigh in on things in a way that Doug Peterson did it. Doug almost did it when it was too late uh, when it came to his coordinators and coaches and uh, some of the changes that, that Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman wanted him to make. Uh, you know, by the time Doug was in a position to have some autonomy, he had already kind of given it away. I don't think Nick has that problem. I've heard from people within the organization that Nick speaks up on his own behalf in terms of what he wants. So look, all of those dynamics could be at play. I don't think there's any necessarily, necessarily any like artificial deadline of, oh, we did it by this date with Doug. So we've got to do it by this date with Nick. I think it'll probably happen and, and we'll see when it does happen. 
Mike, real quick, I just want to mention uh, your article that came out yesterday uh, regarding Quez Watkins and uh, his status right now with the Eagles. I was reading it. Great piece. Eagles fans should check that out. Inquire.com, of course. Um, Quez has got that whole, uh, you know, I don't want to use the word diva yet, but he's got that real cocky, arrogant, I'm, I'm the best, I can be the best, I'm a late uh, personality down when it comes to a wide receiver. Will the talent catch up to that at some point? How does that work? Well, I think he's got talent. Uh, I just wonder what color the sky is in his world where he's an elite receiver. Uh, I want to know what planet he's living on because he did not have an elite season last year. Uh, yes, he had a shoulder sprain uh, in early December. He suffered that in the, the victory over the Titans. But still, um, you know, he's he hasn't been an elite receiver by any definition. And now he's really, in a way, kind of competing and fighting for his job. Uh, because they brought in someone else to challenge him for that number three wide receiver spot. So maybe this is a thing that he, this is a position that he needs to take. He feels like to get himself fired up and focused for this coming season. And look, the, the coaches have praised him throughout camp and who knows, maybe six, seven, eight, ten 10 weeks into the season, we'll all be saying, wow, Quez Watkins is back to being the deep threat that everybody hoped he would be stretching the field, opening things up underneath for Dallas Goddard and Devonte Smith and AJ Brown and et cetera, et cetera. But I got to see it to believe it. And the fact that he's saying bleep, I'm elite after, you know, the fifth or sixth training camp practice doesn't exactly fill me with a lot of confidence that he has a realistic perspective on himself in the NFL and on this roster. There's a fine line between being confident and being cocky. That came off as really cocky to me the other day. Same two bike sales. You will see how it plays itself out. All right. Uh, last question before we let you run. There are certain tenants that Eagle fans have, and they love the blitz. They love coming with extras to try and get their quarterback. Just ask Jonathan Gannon about that. And this is just my read from doing sports talk here in town 30-plus years. They seem to have an affinity for the screen pass. That They just seem to like that. Donovan was really good. Brian Westbrook was phenomenal at it, and he's a, an Eagle fave over the past 25, 30 years. They're working on it in camp a lot that they're trying to find ways to pass the ball to the running back. Will the screen game be back here in Philadelphia, much to the positive response of the Philadelphia sports fan? I think there's a chance that it will, Jody. Um, you know, DeAndre Swift can catch the ball out of the backfield. Kenny Gainwell isn't bad. Uh, he's done a pretty good job of, of catching passes over the last couple of years. And I think you're right. And I think one of the reasons that the Eagles like it as a play and a strategy, and one of the reasons that fans around here really like it, is A, it's been a successful play and strategy for this team for a long, long time. As you said, Donovan McNabb was very good at it. Uh, Brian Westbrook, Carell Buckhalter, Deuce Staley, they all could catch the ball out of the backfield, particularly in the screen game with Westbrook and Buckhalter. And the Eagles have had backs over the years who were really good at it. The other reason I think people like it and the Eagles like it is is they consider it an extension of the running game. If the Eagles aren't going to turn around and just hand the ball off to a back, well, get it into his hands in the screen game. It allows the absolute strength of their offense, their offensive line, to work. They love to see Jason Kelsey and Lane Johnson get out in space and Perimeter, yep. you know plow defensive backs and linebackers. Uh, it's worked for this team for a long, long time. And if Sirianni and Brian Johnson can incorporate it more in their repertoire of plays – uh, it's all to the good. I mean, it takes pressure off of Jalen Hurts. It causes teams 
to hesitate if they're going to blitz him because then Hertz can just dump the ball off. And before you know it, uh, you've got this long developing play that's picking up 10, 15, 20 yards. So uh, if they can get it to work, it's a, it's a huge part of their offense, could be a huge part of their offense. And uh, they should be working on it because it's been effective for them for a long time. It was the perfect perfect hedge for Andy Reid because everyone screamed uh, run pass ratio. Well, you guys consider screen passes runs. I consider screen passes uh, as passes. So stop with the run pass ratio. So uh, good stuff. Mike, uh, we appreciate you making the effort to try and get on uh, technical difficulties. Thank you very much for attempting earlier. I blame McDonald because I didn't follow with the. I, I blame anybody who talks about himself in the third person, Jody. Come on. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's me. Mc, McDonald apologizes uh, for that. Sealski uh, likes Elaine. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, thanks much. I know you and I got a Saturday show together coming up soon. Uh, looking forward to that. Thanks. Me too, Jody. Thanks, guys. Good to see you both. So, yeah, Sealski here with us on uh, Birds 365. And again, yes, we have uh, a private chat here on the site that I never use. And that's just my fault. I got to stay on top. I'm getting messages from Farzana. Farzana uses it. He doesn't even do the damn show, but once in a while. I threw up a Hail Mary. I don't even know if you guys use it. I was just like, I'm going to type here and just see if Mike's ready. I don't know. I don't know if you guys look at this. It's there, but the foolish host doesn't use it often enough. (laughs) I can't use my last name, so I'll just go with foolish host uh, for dropping the ball today. Uh, But we thank Mike Sielski for jumping on. Johnny Mack back again tomorrow, uh, but again, he'll exit stage left because the Eagles have back-to-back practices. Kind of a key practice today. See how they come out after doing back-to-back practices, and uh, Sirianni gets to talk to the media. So you want to be back here tomorrow? Farzetta might be back here tomorrow. I'm not going to make you commit to anything just yet, Farzetta, but you might get him again tomorrow. We're going to have to stay tuned and find out. Uh, thank you very much to Mark for doing it. The Birds 365 show. With who? Got to find out. Tune in tomorrow in 2 and 2. You've been listening to Birds 365. The destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365.